The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, he traveled through Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, ten lepers met him. They stood at a distance from him and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. And one of them, realizing he had been healed, returned, glorifying God in a loud voice. And he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus said in reply, Ten were cleansed, were they not? Where are the other nine? Has none but this foreigner returned to give thanks to God? Then he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. The Gospel of the Lord. One of my favorite churches in the entire world is dedicated to the holy name of Jesus. It's in Rome. They call it the Jesu. And when the bishop sent me to Rome to study, it was more or less on my way to school. And so I would stop every morning and every afternoon after class and make a devotional visit. This church goes back to the late 1500s. And at the time, it was the first of its kind. And it served as the prototype of St. Peter's Basilica. It was massive for its day. In fact, they had to knock down three neighborhood churches to build this one on top. It would later serve as the headquarters for the Jesuits. Structurally speaking, it's Romanesque, meaning one giant big nave, they've carved out little side chapels into the wall. As I would enter on the left entrance, I would begin my little devotional tour. There's a side chapel with a very large and realistic crucifix. I would kneel down at the foot of the cross and pray to Jesus that I would persevere in my vocation and that I would be faithful to it. And then I would go to the next stop, which was the tomb of St. Ignatius, who's my patron saint. And I would pray for the grace of daily conversion, just as I was inspired by his conversion. And then in the corner chapel, there was an icon of Our Lady under the title of Our Lady of the Streets. It's probably not the one you're, you're familiar with. This is titled because the street sweepers of Rome, going back centuries, would take care of this little side chapel. And St. Ignatius had a particular devotion to this image of Our Lady. And I was inspired every time thinking that we were gazing at the same image of Our Mother, inspired by the same icon. Then I'd pass to the center and then bow at the altar. I knew that the relics of another St. Ignatius, where he got his namesake, St. Ignatius of Antioch, nearly 2,000 years old, was in the main altar. Then I would go to the other corner chapel, which the Blessed Sacrament was kept, and I genuflected, and on the walls would be the image of, or the life, rather, of St. Francis of Assisi, who St. Ignatius credited with his own conversion, recognizing that St. Francis wanted to do great things for the Lord, and how Ignatius wanted to do great things, but he wanted to do great things for himself. And then it was really coming to know the person of St. Francis that led to his own conversion, wanting to do great things for God. And then, 
after the Blessed Sacrament Chapel in the life of St. Francis would be the, the reliquary of St. Francis Xavier, who was a good friend of Ignatius, and the reliquary was, was of his right arm, and it is incorrupt, meaning that there is flesh and muscle and hair and uh, fingernails on this 500-year-old arm. I would kind of chuckle every time saying how awesome it is to be Catholic. A little strange. But it was that arm in the grace of God that preserves this arm miraculously 500 years later. It was that arm that would baptize hundreds of people every single day until his voice would go out. I would pray for the grace to have a portion of that apostolic zeal of St. Francis Xavier. Then on the way out, I would stop by the little side chapel of the Holy Angels and ask for their protection and that they would defend me against the snares of the evil one throughout my day. I have very fond memories of going to that church every morning, most afternoons, and sometimes in the evening whenever I would have guests to come visit. But more inspired than the arts and the history and the saints who had a profound impact on me, there's one thing I remember most fondly. And I was an old man who was there before I got there in the morning. He was there in the afternoon, and he was there in the evening, every day, for over a year. And one time, I had Father Don Planty come and visit, and we went to the Jesu on a tour, and he commented how inspired he was by that man, and he probably said that he was there every single day. I said, how do you know? He says, well, I served as a priest in Ethiopia, and I know it's a custom in many parts of the country for old people, when they get the sense that it's their time to go meet the Lord, they'll just go to church all day long and that they prepare their soul for that final journey by being with the Lord all day long. They prepare for eternity the way they're spending their time. So this is kind of likened to how most of us have the, the customer, hopefully awareness of viaticum, that when the time is coming for us to pass or our loved ones to pass to summon a priest, we'll bring the most blessed sacrament, we'll say the prayers to help us on that final journey, food for the journey. They just extend this considerably. In this old man's case, for over a year, he prepared. So believe it or not, this was the story that came to my mind in thinking of today's readings. And we have a clear parallel in the first reading from the Old Testament, uh, where a foreign military general is made clean through the prophet Elisha, and the gospel account of ten foreign lepers who are made clean through Jesus Christ. Now, only one of the ten returned to give thanks. I'm sure that all ten were thankful but apparently only one were taught manners. It's not enough to be thankful. We need to express our thanks. I'm sure you've heard before that the literal meaning of the word Eucharist is thanksgiving. But often what I think we fail to mention, and, and it didn't dawn on me for many years, is that when we're referring to the Holy Eucharist, and this is the Holy Thanksgiving, it's ultimately... Not our thanksgiving for God, that's part of it, but it's ultimately Jesus' thanksgiving for you and for me. The fact that you exist, he is thankful. But ultimately, in this context, it's the night before he was betrayed in this Last Supper, he's giving thanks to the Father for the ability to go to the cross for you. This is what he's thankful for, the opportunity to save you. And as many Saints have said in various ways that the only response to this type of love 
is our own love in return. That this is what the beautiful Ethiopian custom taught me. That this man was filled with thanksgiving for his life, and he was filled with thanksgiving for the opportunity to be saved by Jesus, and he wanted to return thanks in the last days here on earth before he got to thank the Lord in person, face to face. I'm not suggesting we spend all day in church. For most of us, that's not possible. But I am proposing that we examine our lives to see how we can lead more Eucharistic lives. How can we be thankful for the various things, spiritual, materially? How can we receive that gratitude from God? I suggest we can think in two major ways, daily and weekly. What are some things that we can do once a week that could really stretch us so we can be more thankful, lead more Eucharistic lives? Some things we can do every day, if you're not already in the custom, is first thing, pray a morning offering. As soon as you're aware of your own consciousness, offer your day to the Lord and unite it to the Holy Mass. If you're not able to go to daily Mass, to unite your entire life to that sacrifice. Or we can also spend time reflecting on the readings for daily Mass, which can be found easily these days. We live in a golden age of content and accessibility to good content, to easily look up the daily Mass readings, begin our day reflecting, what is God trying to say to me today through his word? We can have prayer intentions that people ask us for different prayers. I, I, I Just being a priest, I get them probably a dozen or so every single day. Right, to have those people in my mind and offer my prayers to unite uh, my prayers, my personal prayers, um, to the one sacrifice of Jesus for those people who have asked for my prayers. And every time a person passes a Catholic church to make the sign of the cross, right, just to recognize and honor our Lord who is truly present in the Blessed Sacrament, or better yet, to stop in just for a moment for a brief hello, a little devotional visit. Then weekly, we can deepen our Eucharistic lives by preparing well for Sunday Mass, certainly including going over the Sunday readings in advance. Perhaps you already do this in your small group. Right? That's a great way to really prepare well. And I also encourage, there's a good custom of writing your own homily, not just in the off chance that you get a dud here, or at least you'll have a good homily to go back to, but it's a great way to really reflect and open yourself to say, what is God's word trying to say to me this week? And so when you sit down to say, okay, if I were up there giving a homily, what would I say? Because I guarantee nine times out of ten, whatever I'm saying, I'm really preaching to myself. And so I can go back and look at old homilies like, wow, that's what was going on in my life, and this is what I needed to hear. That's what I ended up preaching on. So when you start to write your own homilies, you'll begin to notice God's word more active in your life. Arriving early is a good way, not just to get all the mess from the world, leave it out there to give your time a little little time, yourself a little time to calm down, to let the racing mind kind of focus or remind yourself why you're here in the first place, and to pray as if this were your first Mass, your only Mass, and perhaps one day it will be your last Mass. Another way to get more is to stay afterwards, to make a real proper act of thanksgiving, not just for the opportunity to have received our Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity, but a proper act of thanksgiving for all the graces you've received in the prior week. The wonderful ability to receive Holy Communion is, of course, for those who are in a Holy Communion with our Lord. That means that we believe everything that he teaches through his church, but that we're also free from any mortal sin. 
like Naaman today, sometimes we can take it for granted that it can be so easy to be cleansed. Now, the backstory to Naaman is he balked when he met Elisha and said, well, now, if you commanded me to do all these extraordinary things, then perhaps I would have believed in the ability to be clean. But you're just asking me to go take a dip in the Jordan River. It's too easy. Sometimes we can have that mentality. Just go into the box and confess our sins and they're gone. We may be tempted to think, well, if the priest gave me a penance of bread and water for a year, I have to go to the Holy Land on my knees, then maybe I could merit forgiveness. But rather, our Lord says, repent, be sorry for your sins. Confess them, take ownership of them, and avoid them in the future, and you will be forgiven. Now, all this is ordered to us making that final journey to making it as smooth as possible. And we need to lead Eucharistic lives every day because heaven ultimately will be Eucharistic, that we will spend our eternity the way we spend our time, with God or without God. And at the end of the day, he will give us what we want, either a life with him or without him. And that cleansed leper reminds us that we not only need to be thankful but we need to express our gratitude. It's not enough to simply encounter the Lord like the ten lepers did. We have to go back and continue to encounter him. So this Holy Eucharist, may we ask for the grace to lead Eucharistic lives every day. May we ask for the grace to keep our eyes focused on the destination of the journey, which helps us get through the bumps in the road here below. Like St. Ambrose said, this suffering passes. What we receive now passes, but what we are to receive shall never end. So let us keep our eyes on the prize of heaven and prepare for it now and every day. I never had the opportunity to speak to that Ethiopian man, but he spoke volumes to me. May our Eucharistic lives speak volumes to our family, to our friends. May we not only deepen our thanks, but seek new and more profound ways to express our gratitude. For the only return we can offer for the great love that is given to us is our own love in return. May the prayers and protection of the Blessed Virgin Mary help us to imitate her as her very being magnifies the Lord. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.